this is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. I'm Megan from the Spa Retailer Podcast. Hi, this is David Carlton from the Spa Pool Marketing Podcast, and we want to welcome everybody to today's joint podcast. That's right. Welcome. Well, you know, today, uh, Megan and I have done a few podcasts together sponsored by uh, Spa Retailer, but uh, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about maybe we should be doing a podcast together since Megan has a podcast and I have a podcast and we're both in the industry and we both look at the industry from different perspectives, me from the marketing consultant end and, and Megan at a much higher level, more from the factory end and the dealer end. It's so nice uh, of you to say that I'm on a high level, Dave. Well, you are. You are. I think you're taller than me, too, but most people are. So that doesn't <laughs> that's not surprising. But I, I think it's good that we get together and, and talk about what was and what will be, I think. 2020 was a wild ride and it looks like 2021 is going to also be a, a crazy year. I think you and I have been talking a lot about how there's a big difference between some of the anomalies that we're seeing now and what retailers should still be doing to run successful businesses. You know, one of the things we talked about before to kind of frame this in terms of what we're actually going to talk about today, when you and I were trying to figure out what what do we name this? Because, you know, there's been a lot of uh, articles written and podcasts. I know I've listened to, uh, I listened to all the, the spa retailer podcasts and we've talked ad nauseum in terms of, you know, strategies and how we're living through all this. So <clears throat> I thought when Megan and I were going back and forth uh, on what to call this, we, we thought about maybe looking back and moving forward or learning from the past and building for the future. But we didn't want this podcast just to be, you know, living through the suffering again of 2020. We really wanted to maybe take a look at some of the things that happened last year and frame them in terms of what we should be looking at this year. Is that kind of sum that up, you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's hard to open anything right now without saying, you know, well, how are you? What happened? And there's a little, it's a little therapeutic, I think, for people to go through everything that they've gone through in the last year and just kind of verbalize it and vocalize it. But like you said, there's, we can't just kind of keep stuck in this 2020. This is where we are. This is what happened. There's a lot of things that we need to start learning from this past year and moving forward and kind of deciding what do we keep from this time and what do we toss out? And I think that's what you and I wanted to focus on is not so much, yeah, the trauma of of living through the pandemic, but what are we going to take from it and what are we going to do to use those things to grow our businesses? As, as we looked back last year, uh, I mean, frankly, no matter how good or bad you were at marketing and promoting your business as a dealer, most of the dealers and manufacturers, the factories listening to this podcast today probably had a significant increase in 2020. And our, as you, I think, mentioned, uh, are forecasting a pretty good 2021. I don't know how to say this except to say it. I think it was, I'm not sure if it's because of we were all marketing geniuses here. 
I think it was more because uh, out of all the industries worldwide that were negatively affected by the pandemic, our industry was definitely at the right place at the right time. If you were selling anything that had to do with keeping kids occupied during the summer or relaxing at home or backyard fun, then you probably sold out and have probably booked a lot of business uh, through the end of this year already. So I don't want us as an industry to get too complacent. And that's why I think we need to learn what happened last year and how we can apply some of those things that we learned that forced us to become better business people, you know, moving forward into the future. You know, you talked about if you sold anything that had to do with the backyard, that you had an amazing 2020. That being said, I still feel like there are, in our industry, even an industry that's going to, you know, come out ahead in the pandemic, which most, a lot of industries cannot say that, there's still going to be some winners and losers. And so I'm curious from your perspective, someone who works with dealers one-on-one and helps them with their marketing, what made some dealers more successful in 2020 than others from your perspective? Good question. You know, I think that I can speak from my clients and I've worked with literally hundreds and hundreds of clients over the last 15 years that I've been on my own, owning my own business, you know, across the United States and in Europe. So I can only speak from from that perspective. And during that time frame, there are certain best practices that I've always encouraged my clients and dealers to, to implement. And most of those dealers that did implement those, I think, came out better on the other side. And some of those things were they were already highly visible on the internet, meaning that they had already been implementing a lot of uh, organic and paid strategies. They had an informative and easy to navigate website. One or two of the most important things is that uh, they already had systems and automation in place to maximize uh, lead generation and follow-up. And and I'd like to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast about uh, systems and automation. And if dealers already had a variety of communication options available for their consumers, they were much more able to handle the, the flow, you know, the spigot being opened up for all the leads that they were generating. And a lot of dealers already had some online shopping options that were already in place. So I think the dealers that were more successful in 2020 were already successful in what they were doing. But when the pandemic hit and the floodgates opened, they were much better able to handle the influx of leads than those dealers that were not not only were doing that, but also had to learn like other dealers on Zoom meetings and uh, and virtual tours that the whole industry had to learn. Yeah. I think if you hadn't thought very much about your, your sales funnel and your lead generation and follow-up systems before the pandemic, you definitely were thinking about it during the pandemic. And it probably showed a lot of people where they had holes or flaws in the way that they do things. Because when you go from having maybe 10 leads a week to you know, 200 leads a day, that's, that's going to be, that's quite a switch in your, in your operation. Yes, no doubt. Now, what about from the, from the manufacturer's point of view, you're unique in that you, you know, talk to dealers and a lot of your articles are about dealers and the success or strategies that are, that are moving up in the world, but you also, you know, sell advertising space and, and help manufacturers with their branding. What did spa retailer do in 2020? to help 
their subscribers adapt and grow to the changing environment. I wish we could have done more because it was things happen so fast and things change so quickly that it felt like as soon as we came out with something, you know, it was it was already something new. So we were working in overdrive trying to push out any kind of content we could we could get done about, you know, where to find resources, who to talk to for, you know, PPP loans or whatever the the case may be. And the switch was so fast, you know, we we went from, you know, thinking that we none of us were going to be able, you know, that we we're going to have to go into a survival mode to suddenly dealers were telling me that they hot tubs were flying out the door and then that they were sold out of what they had in their store and that they were desperate to get more tubs. And, you know, it was just so fast that this turnaround happened. But yeah, we were we were working like crazy trying to get as much content in front of dealers and manufacturers as we could. And it was pretty interesting seeing the things that people were interested in reading about. And it was just such a whole new world that I don't think any of us really knew. I mean, still, I feel like none of us really know what's going to happen next or what's going to come next. And we're just doing our best to plan and prepare for whatever, whatever that might be. Yeah, it seems like you were, you know, you, you mentioned about the sales funnel down at the bottom. A lot of things must have funneled to you and you were the disseminator of information for the industry. You know, I, I disseminate information to my dealers and, and to some of the factories I deal with, but you were the disseminator of information for the entire industry. So no pressure there, no Yeah, doubt. right. Well, and it was interesting too, because the amount of, of rumors and things that were flying around, especially at the beginning there, were, were insane. You know, who was open? Who wasn't open? Oh, well, they had an outbreak at their factory. Well, they had to shut down for another four weeks because of whatever. And a lot of times those things didn't end up being true, but we definitely were chasing down, going down a lot of rabbit holes, trying to find out what's true, what's not true, what's actually happening. You know, there's a lot of who's following the rules and who's not following the rules as far as what the different states had mandated. And it was, I feel like everyone now is a little bit more on, on the same playing field as far as, you know, what they're being asked to do is in, in their factories and in their workplaces to keep people safe. But for a while there, it was kind of, you know, everywhere was different. And I got some pretty crazy emails and phone calls during that time and people dropping some pretty well-placed rumors in front of us, hoping that we they could uh, get a little bit of a foot up on the competition. <laughs> Well, I guess that comes with the territory. Yeah, it does. It's it's an interesting part of my job for sure. So I know you kind of mentioned automation. I, you know, I know that the calls and the um, the emails and everything that I was getting was insane at that time. But for manufacturers and for dealers, it was it was you know 10x what I was dealing with. So what are some of the things and the systems and automations that dealers should have had in place? And if they don't they need to put it in place to try to keep up because I don't think that it's really slowed down all that much. Yeah, I think it slowed down a little, but I, I will tell you, and we were kind of living it real time. You know, my wife has a saying, she works in the healthcare field and she's been working quite hard for the past uh, uh, 12, 14 months. You know, every day is Monday. You come back at uh, at the end of the day and you, you know, you go to bed, you wake up and it's Monday again. So I think those dealers that already had proven systems in place to help run their business, I noticed that they sold more, they stressed less, and were able to handle more leads than those that didn't. And 
Over the years, I've worked with my dealers to automate and systemize as much as possible. Now, everything can't be systemized. You can't sell a, you know, a thirty or forty thousand dollar swim spa, you know, on, on an e-commerce site. Uh, although some of those were were selling quite quickly, but but the things that can and should have been systemized, like lead generation. Lead follow-up, that was absolutely critical. Generating more reviews, generating referrals. Those are all things that can be automated and systemized. And, you know, before the pandemic, not all dealers followed up properly. And I know, you know, in, in talking to many of the factories that I deal with, that that's always an issue, that the factories generate leads and they hope that the dealers follow up in a timely manner. But for those dealers that really did not have automated systems to follow up properly, when the pandemic hit, it just got terribly worse. And that's why systems and, and processes are important because they're consistent, they're repeatable, they're predictable. And what I mean by that, having a system in place is who does what and when. And for those dealers uh, that, that understand that, it's it's designing customer response process to keep several things in mind. If you don't have a system in place, things that, that you should be putting in place is, is who's, who's in charge of following up with leads in your company? And what are they supposed to do when they get the lead? What happens if they have multiple salespeople? And then how do you measure and monitor the progress of that success? And Automation can deliver great value 24-7. And for those dealers that did have automation that could, when a lead did get generated and there was an automated email that went out, at least if you couldn't get back to that prospect right away, they did get a, a you know communication back from you. So uh, those dealers that had automated systems to generate the leads, to follow up with the leads and to get those leads to the right people in their organization and then let that system training that you had already done fall into place. Those dealers, as I mentioned before, they generated more leads, they stressed less, and they got less complaints because you know dealers running out of stock and those dealers that were honest and told people real lead times, uh, short-term pain for long-term gain, those dealers came out much better on the other side than those dealers that did not have automation and systems in place. So what you said brought up a couple questions for me, but you know, you talk about, and I've heard this from the manufacturers too, you know, they talk about supplying dealers with leads and then the dealers not being great at following up with them. I think that right now everyone is thinking, well, if if my manufacturer could have just gotten me more hot tubs, we would have had a better year. If I could have just gotten more tubs, we could have sold more. And maybe they should be looking a little bit more closely at themselves. And it's not so much like how many hot tubs you got, but what your lead follow-up looked like probably had a lot more to do with how many tubs you sold in 2020 and now into 2021 than, <laughs> than how many hot tubs your manufacturer was actually able to supply you. Because at this point, like if someone has ordered a hot tub in May of last year, they probably have it. So... <laughs> Yeah, and, and not only that, you know, in the go-go years, in the in the eighties, and in the nineties, um, you know, just being a hot tub dealer, you sold a lot. And and the same thing here, good sales. I mean, sales off the charts, like we had in in the go-go years and in twenty twenty, really masks some of the inefficiencies that manufacturers have. 
and that dealers had. It really covers over a lot of things that could be improved. And it actually, in a year like this, actually showed a lot of dealers that where they were, in fact, lacking. And like digital, for those dealers that are salespeople, not just dealers themselves, but some of their salespeople that never had sold online or never did a virtual mm-hmm. meeting or hadn't even heard of Zoom before, those dealers that adapted quickly did much better than their competitors. Hopefully what we what we're coming away from this is that the more systems and automation, the more the better communication, all the things that I talked about before, hopefully dealers now have those in place and whether there's another pandemic or not, that's going to help them for their business moving forward forever. What do you think that that communication should look like right now from a dealer to their customer? People they need to respond quickly when a lead comes in, but now even after they've sold the hot tub, I feel like there's a lot more communication going on because it's like, okay, so I told you it was going to be five weeks. Well, now it's going to be eight weeks or, you know, Hey, we told you your hot tub was going to be here in 24 weeks. Well, it's going to get delivered on this date. What, you know, what are, what are the things that dealers need to be doing now, as far as communicating with their customers, either pre or post sale or all of the above? Yeah. I think that other than having inventory, as we've mentioned many times, the most critical part of generating leads, closing sales and keeping prospects and customers happy is communication. Now, what is the best way to communicate with a prospect? I've said this on many a webinar and in in my book and on my own podcast is the best way to communicate with prospects is the way they want to, not the way you want to. I know what you want, Mr. Dealer. I, You want somebody to call you on the phone and say, this is the hot tub model I want and here's my credit card. Now, maybe that happened more in 2020 than it did in the past, but it's going to stop raining as hard as it is and you know, with all the leads coming in. So uh, communication is key. So you want to communicate with your prospects the way they want to communicate. And the more options you can give a prospect, the more likely it is you'll generate a lead, start a conversation and keep those prospects or customers that have put a deposit down happy. So I would say that some of the things that were brought to the forefront in 2020 that really didn't happen before, certainly phone and certainly email, those have been around for a while. But other things, website chat, Facebook chat, Facebook messenger, texting. These are all things that I know all dealers aren't always comfortable with, but it doesn't make any difference. If you're an ice cream shop and you say, well, I don't like chocolate, so I'm not going to offer chocolate as a flavor. That's not good. So the fact that you don't know how to use website chat or you're not big on on Facebook Messenger, if your customers are, then you need to be or find somebody that that is so. And and we implemented, talked about systems and automation before, we implemented a lot of chatbots this year, which saved a lot of time and headache for our dealers because they were able to answer the easy questions 24 hours a day. And there's nothing more frustrating when somebody comes on a live chat and there's nobody there. It says, sorry, we're not here now. Just leave your name and number. Well, that's not a live chat. Again, communicate with your prospects and current customers the way they want to. The more options you can give them, the more likely it is that they're going to be happy. So I think that was important. So kind of expanding on that, what were dealers asking for from you last year? And has that changed? Are they asking for the same things now? 
Well, it's kind of interesting you're talking about communication because because it was the same between manufacturers and dealers, I think, as it was for dealers and their customers. Communication was never more important and it looked a lot different than it did in years past. Because before, you know, we know like manufacturers reps, they pound the pavement, they are out there visiting their dealers as much as they possibly can. Well, for a lot of people, that travel was shut down. So so they were going to Zoom, they were going to, you know, FaceTime, they're going to texting and phone calls. And that communication just was never more important than it was in the past. And I feel like it's probably a lot the same for manufacturers as it was for dealers. You know, they needed to have those systems in place to deal with the number of calls that they are getting a day from their dealers and and to deal with keeping track of their orders and keeping their customers informed. And it's kind of funny because I think that the manufacturers preach these things to their dealers as far as following up on leads and having these automated systems in place. And I'm not sure that they are maybe as very good at it either. <laughs> you know, when you are selling X number of hot tubs or manufacturing X number of hot tubs a year, and so you've got, you know, a spreadsheet or a whatever you're doing to keep track of keep track of that process that's great but then when that has to ramp up by however many more times it did in this last year uh, suddenly that becomes a lot more complicated you know you don't have a dealer who's saying i'm going to order this tub with these jets and this color and that skirt now they're calling and saying okay, my customer wants something that's this size. What can you get me and when it, you know, it became a whole new ball game as far as how they communicated with dealers and kept track of their orders. And, and that transparency was incredibly important. Kind of going back to the rumor thing, you know, dealers would be upset because it's like, well, I saw that this dealer over here in this part of the country, he will, he was doing this, this big sh- sh- like offsite event this weekend. Like how was he able to get all those hot tubs from you? And why wasn't I able to get a truckload of hot tubs this week when he was? And all these kinds of questions and this trust that came into that relationship that wasn't an issue before is suddenly an issue. And so I think manufacturers not only had to communicate more, I think they had to tell dealers more than they normally had. They had to be a lot more transparent. They had to say, this is how we make those decisions. They had to explain how one dealer's marketing strategy is different than another's, but it doesn't mean that they got more tubs than they did. You know, (laughs) it was very, it was very complicated and it's going to be interesting how those relationships end up. Cause I think some people accepted what they were told and understood the supply chain issues that they were having and others and others didn't and still don't. And so it's going to be interesting how that all shakes out, but The communication wasn't just retailers to consumer. It was manufacturer to retailer and then consumer. And if there was a breakdown in any of that chain there, it had a negative impact on everybody. I couldn't agree more. Communication, out of all the things in our industry, communication was the key. Look, factories would tell dealers what you order today, you'll have in 12 weeks, and it ended up being you know 16 weeks. So just tell me. Just tell me what it is and I will tell my tell my customers. Again, short-term pain for long-term gain. I, I think at the very beginning, someone would come in, a customer would come in and say, well, what do you mean it takes four months? I'm going someplace else. And then after they shopped around and they found out that everybody was in the same boat, then it came back to customer service for the dealer. You know, were they honest with me? You know, are they just trying to sell me something or are they really trying to 
uh, help me invest in the right in the right hot tub or swim spa or sauna for me. And I think those factories that were honest, and I think all factories were honest, I guess I shouldn't say that, but were more communicative with their dealers, the better. And, you know, some states shut down, some states didn't. Some states shut down in February and March and other states didn't. So there were factories that, that were open longer. And, you know, when did Mexico close and what parts of Mexico close? It was kind of crazy. But when it's all said and done, just being honest and communicating, I think, saved a lot, uh, saved the integrity of the factory, saved the integrity of the dealerships. I think that was a uh, a big role. So having said all that, since factories now are pretty much booked up, most factories are booked up through the end of the year and aren't really looking for new dealers. I mean, they're just trying to supply their current dealers. What messages are important for them, for factories to be putting out now? You obviously, you help dealers with their marketing. Uh, We help manufacturers with their marketing. So I feel like we should say like, we both have skin in this game for sure. (laughs) But I I think it's interesting. You know, we talk about the things like, how did you build your business? What are the, the basic principles that you use to grow this business from day one? And most people marketing and advertising was, was part of that. And so I kind of laugh now that people are like, well, I've, we're sold out. So we don't need to advertise anymore. We don't need to market anymore. And I think we all know that that's actually not true. And now it's just as important as ever to stay in front of people. Just because you're not looking for new dealers doesn't mean that your advertising can't convey to your current dealers or to the dealers that you'll be looking for in another year or two from now, the things that you can do for them to help them with their business. I kind of laugh a lot of the people that I talk to, they've been in this industry for what, 30, 20, 30, 40 years. And I ask them, it's like, when is the last time that you have not looked for dealers? When is the last time that you were like, okay, well, we're full. So we're we're going to not do any new business prospecting now. That has never happened before in the history of this industry. So it's like, this isn't going to last forever. We all know that. That doesn't mean that you can't plant the seeds and sow the seeds for later. And I think it's probably the same for for dealers, as far as looking for customers, you've got to stay out in front of people and that your message is probably different now than it was a year ago. And your message is probably going to be different for the next, for the foreseeable future. But that doesn't mean that you, that you disappear because as soon as you disappear, you are no longer relevant. And people are like, well, I wonder what's going on with that company. Well, I haven't seen them put out any new product in the last five years. And I haven't seen them you know, at the trade show in the last 10 years. And, you know, suddenly they don't really think that you're doing that much. And that usually isn't the case. And it's now is not the time for dealers or for manufacturers to disappear from the pages of spa retailer. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the factories provide value and, and leaders, you know, lead, I, I guess, um, you can be searching for dealers in a very subtle way. We're still here. We're here to support our dealer base because there were a lot of uh, dealers that were burned this year. I mean, a a lot of dealers were, almost all dealers were burned in in some way or another. And those, a lot of dealers that were loyal to one brand or another were forced to take on other brands. So I, I guess I would say, you know, for manufacturers, you know, especially the leaders in, in the industry, 
that, you know, showing value, showing uh, your dealer base that you're taking care of them and, you know, and planting those seeds, like you said, it certainly, I guess it goes more towards branding right now because there are enough leads out there now for everybody, uh, you know, and as the vaccines come out and people start venturing out, those leads are going to come down. Uh, so branding is important. We're actually, you know, pushing branding now on, I have several different strategies, some kind of unique strategies on uh, TV advertising that very inexpensive uh, TV advertising, which I'll be implementing shortly. That's more about branding and less about leads because leads don't seem to be the issue right now. Now, you know, I could bite my tongue you know, or I could look back on this conversation in two months and say, what, what, what was I thinking? You know, leads are always important, but especially during the research phase of searching, uh, whether it be at the dealer level or the consumer level, you want to be sure that you're there educating your marketplace, whether it be at the dealer level or at the consumer level. And I think Spa Retailer is, has been known for that since the beginning. And that's definitely the place to go if you want to do that. So Dave, you mentioned TV advertising, but I'm curious. So for, for dealers, I think a lot of dealers are used to marketing like sale to sale, you know, like we're advertising our spring sale for this month. And then next month it's our, our Easter sale. And then it's our Memorial day sale or whatever the case may be. So to go from that sort of strategy to now looking at branding, like how and where should dealers be marketing themselves and advertising now? First, I would tell you that, as you mentioned, don't stop marketing. I don't consider marketing an expense. I consider it an investment in the future, whether it be the factory level or the dealer level. And even though dealers are selling everything now, it doesn't mean they couldn't be selling more. So you've had a year to get your systems and, and automation in place Assuming that, that you're better at that now and your virtual call, uh, virtual tours and things are going to start opening up, I can tell you that dealers that did not have any Google presence meant that prospects that did find you, they had to work really hard to find you. If somebody typed in hot tubs, fill in the city, and you were not on page one, the fact that you got some of that business is because of the overwhelming uh, demand for it. So, but those dealers that were on page one, once, twice, three times, four times, those dealers got those sales before the people on page two did. So think of it this way, the dealers that were on page two or three for the main keywords, you guys got the scraps because think of it this way also that leads that are being generated, the sales process still happens the same way. They sat in somebody's hot tub, a neighbor's hot tub, and they, and they went home and husband and wife or partner said, honey, why don't we you know, start looking for a hot tub? So where did they go to start that search? They went to Google and they typed in hot tubs or portable spas or whatever it was, and they still researched the same way. So those dealers that, you know, the same dealers that had their systems and automation in place are the same dealers that over the years had been doing both organic and paid advertising. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity right now to grab market share and to introduce your company to thousands of current and prospective customers. So, so keep advertising, don't blow it. So to specifically answer your question, there are really two different types of internet marketing strategies at the very high level. There's the, a lot of people refer to it as SEO or search engine optimization and SEM, which is search engine marketing. 
So my definition of on-site, there's things that you do on your site or to your site to make it easier for search engines to find you. So that's way number one. Strategy number one is to do on-site search engine optimization. That's lead generation and making your UX or your, your user experience as simple and as easy as possible for a consumer to flow through the site. Then there's the off-site organic and paid marketing. And that involves inbound marketing and internet marketing strategies using non-website properties that you own or manage to drive traffic to your site. And you need both. Paid ads like on Google and Facebook, those are for today buyers. And you, you kind of mentioned this, you alluded to this before, that it's not just today that we're thinking about. Dealers need to be filling their funnel for six months from now, for three months from now. Someone that starts the process today, the gestation period in the past has been three to six months. Now, that may have accelerated during the pandemic, but you don't just go out and, and buy a, a hot tub just you know on a whim. It's not like it's hanging at the uh, at the checkout counter or the, at the grocery store, and it's an, it's not an impulse buy. So dealers need to be doing things to capture market share on Google, and you know there's paid like Google AdWords, then there's maps, then there's videos, then there's uh, social media. There's a whole bunch of different things that they should be doing and they shouldn't give up on that. I will tell you that our dealers and my clients right now, they are doing exceedingly well in capturing market share because that mindset, well, I don't need to do any marketing right now. All the things that those uh, their competitors had been doing to grab a spot on, on Google, they're beginning to lose those and our dealers are gaining those slots right now. I mean, Google changes their algorithms up to 500 times a year. So what worked yesterday doesn't necessarily work today. So I'm happy that some of my dealers' competitors aren't marketing very well, aren't taking the attitude that we don't need to do uh, advertising or marketing because we're gaining market share right now. And I know that my clients, are they slowing down from where it was, you know, in the heyday, uh, heyday, like it was a million years ago, like, you know, six months ago? Yeah, they're slowing down. But I can tell you that their leads are continuing to be strong. And, you know, as a kind of a side note here, what's working really well for us right now, type of advertising and the way that we're advertising is commonly referred to as FOMO, which is fear of missing out. So we're actually doing some advertising for the low-hanging fruit uh, that says, you know, if you tried to, essentially it says, if you're trying, you've been trying for a while to get some, to buy an above ground pool or a, a sauna or a swim spa or a hot tub, you better give us your name and deposit now because, you know, all of our stuff is booking up. So fear of missing out has really been a, a good driver of today's sales. And that's usually driven by, AdWords or Facebook ads. The organic stuff, videos and blogging and, and press releases and, and several other strategies. Geo-targeting is a really good one also that since consumers are getting back into going into retail stores and shows and home shows are opening up, that's a really uh, effective way too, as well as yeah, geo-targeting, geo-fencing and retargeting is another good way to automatically follow up with people that have been to the site. So it's interesting. And dealers, I think, are finally beginning to get that it's not time to turn off the advertising for both short-term and long-term. So I have a question for you. 
Okay. I'm going to turn that. You keep asking me questions. So now I have a couple of questions for you here. What are some of the struggles that dealers are telling you now? I mean, other than inventory, I get that. And we, we've talked about that. Are there some specific struggles that dealers are telling you that they're having right now? I think one of the big things that dealers are struggling with right now is personnel is what do I need now versus what am I going to need in the future? And how does my company look now that we've had all of these sales? And now that we've had you know all of this stuff come on and happen, it's like, do I need more delivery drivers? Do I need someone to manage the marketing for me instead of doing it myself? Do I need uh, someone who does some more things on the back end. And then you look at, if you add all of those people, then you look at, okay, so now my company is is this many people now. Do I need an HR person? <laughs> I think, you know, personnel is always, I think the hardest part of running any business, uh, finding people, hiring people, training people. But right now I think dealers are looking at a bunch of new positions that they potentially need to fill and what does that look like and how does it change the role as the owner? That is something that it's, I think we're going to be talking about for the next couple of years is, you know, what new positions have been added. And a lot of these, I think are going to be kind of those middle management positions, things that the owner used to have time to do themselves. And now they find that they do not have the time to deal with all of these things that they did in the past. So so, I think so they can't, they can't, excuse me for interrupting. So they can't now be the salesperson, deliver the spa and service the spa and then come home and do the books. They just, they're going to have to pick and choose. Yeah. And when you talk about, you know, we talk about the, the backlog on hot tubs and how I've had so many dealers say to me, well, if I had had an infinite number of, of spas this year, I would have sold them. That may be true, but the real brass tax here is how many hot tubs are you able to deliver? So if you got an infinite amount of hot tubs, would you be able to deliver an infinite amount of hot tubs? And the answer is no. I mean, you only have the infrastructure to deliver, you know, so many hot tubs a week. And yeah, you can't, <laughs> you either are going to need more people to deliver those spas or you're going to have to uh, slow down somewhere. You know, that's, and I'm surprised because, you know, you think about the smaller businesses where the owner is the person who's doing a lot of the things there. They're making the sale, they're doing the delivery, they're they're fixing whatever problem might be called in. But even in the businesses that are fairly good sized, I'm finding, you know, the people who have three or four locations that even they are finding that there are holes in their operations that they didn't realize things that the owner was taking care of that this, they just do not have the time for anymore. And so that, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really pretty interesting. And like, the things that I'm hearing people hiring for like a lead concierge, you know, someone who, when those leads initially come in, they're kind of the person who helps do that, that very, you know, first qualification of the lead. Like, you know, where does this person, where is this person at in the funnel and where should they go from here? It's just, it's pretty interesting, um, you know, as far as logistics of delivery and ordering and, and things that, you know, the owner was good at, you know, putting in an order once a month. Well, now you're ordering maybe every couple of weeks and it takes a ton of time. <laughs> expectations have changed all around. Expectations at the factory level, expectations at the dealer level. And frankly, I think that expectations from the consumer level, as many things as the dealers had to really come up to speed very quickly on, so did consumers this year. 
I mean, consumers, because they were stuck at home, you know, they were doing more online shopping and they got better at research. And I think, you know, based on that, dealers need to adapt, factories need to adapt. And I have noticed by by talking to, you know, some of the pool and spa dealers that, that are my clients that buyer expectations have changed. Yeah. And there are things that buyers now and prospects are expecting from dealers that they were more tolerant of before. Buyers now want to be able to find what they're looking for very quickly on the internet, for instance. And they need to find information. They expect faster response times from sales and service. You know, they're not necessarily consumers now are comparing you not necessarily to other dealers, but they're comparing you to, you know, premium brands like Apple or or Nordstrom or whatever it is, you know, Amazon. I compare Amazon. all of my I compare all of my shopping experiences to Amazon. Like how fast are you going to get me my stuff cuz Amazon gets it to me in 2 days. <laughs> I mean, think of it, you know, 5 years ago, would you expect that that you ordered something and it can be uh, at your door, you know, within 3 hours or ready to be no. picked? Yeah. No, I no. You're happy if you got it in a week. And now if something takes a week to be delivered, I've checked it 10 times to see what's wrong. They want, you know, when Amazon first started doing the two day delivery and then the one day delivery. And then, you know, the big coup de grace was when they, you know, were doing Sunday delivering using the post office. I mean, things have changed and dealers need to step up and meet the expectations of a more demanding and more educated consumer. So that's why having their website user experience be improved or having better uh, and more varied forms of communication to fit the needs and lifestyle and timeframes of their prospects and customers, improved shopping convenience, delivery speed, all those, you know, being able to order online and pick up or order de- delivery you know, just buying with confidence in general that the people they end up buying from, the dealers they end up buying from, they're going to feel like this was a, you know, was a good decision. So expectations, I think, have changed dramatically. As I mentioned, consumers are smarter and they demand more because if you don't give it to them, somebody else will. Okay. So you talk about consumer expectations. Let me ask you this, because I think that at the beginning of all of this, we thought this was going to be a really short-term thing. We're going to have a short-term problem with lead times. We're going to have a short-term problem with the supply chain. But now I've started to hear from some dealers that they think that this is how it is going to be now for forever, like that their business model has changed, that they're no longer ordering just-in-time inventory, that they think that from now on, they are going to be ordering and selling their hot tubs, you know, multiple months out. I mean, you talk about, a change in expectation. Do you think that we have seen a fundamental shift in how our industry is going to operate? I would say in the for 2021, yes. I mean, frankly, a, a lot of it depends on how quickly people can get out of their homes and, you know, start living more of a normal life. I, I hate to use the term, you know, new normal, but a lot of it does in fact depend on i don't want to get political here but what what happens at the state level and and at the federal level and vaccines and stuff like that all of that is meant to say that the more people feel comfortable 
leaving their homes and getting back to a normal life and traveling and things like that. A, a lot of what happened was that people weren't going on vacation and people weren't doing spending money on the things that they were spending money on, whether it be commutes or vacations or things like that. So they started doing stuff around the house. I mean, we redid our kitchen last year. We were stuck here. So we, we did some things that was on our list of things to do, but you know, maybe a couple of years out. So as people start going out and doing things, I think the demand for hot tubs will eventually, and backyard play sets and, and entertaining in the backyard, that will, I don't think it's going to maintain the the high level it is right now, you know, is it going to go back to where it was in 2019? No, I, I think it'll it'll be higher. But you know, this FOMO thing, this fear of missing out, I think that's going to die down. When that's going to be? Is it going to be you know this year? I would say towards the end of the year. That would be my guess. You know, if the pandemic kicks up again, what's going to happen? I don't know. I mean, that's, I knew the answer to that question. You know, it would be unbelievable. But yeah, it seems like the more the more I talk to dealers and manufacturers, the longer the longer this goes on. I think that we have to stop thinking of it as a one off. And I think that you know, as far as expectations go, that dealers should stop expecting that by the end of their year their lead times are going to be back to normal. I think that even if demand fell off a cliff tomorrow, there's still so many hot tubs sold through the rest of 2021, that it's not like you're suddenly going to start getting all of those hot tubs within a couple of weeks. Like, I think that that part of it may take a couple of years to actually get back to, you know, caught up and back to, you know, quote unquote normal. If we want to, if we want to call it that I hate, I'm with you. I hate new normal. I hate, <laughs> I hate referring to anything as normal anymore. Cause it's just what is normal? I don't even know. But I think that, I think that we should all prepare ourselves that this could be the the normal for for a pretty long time and you need to adjust your thinking otherwise because I think consumers have adjusted to the fact that it's going to take several months to get a hot tub I think it's the dealers and manufacturers who are having a hard time dealing with that change at this point and maybe not necessarily the end user yeah I don't think demand is going to fall off a cliff I think it's going to you know just naturally begin to wind down let me tell you what the new normal should be for dealers, and that is meeting the expectations of their customers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the things that I talked about before, improved communication, you know, a better and more user-friendly website. These are things that consumers got used to or were demanding. Those demands are not going to go away. Even, a, even if hot tub sales, you know, come down 20 or 30 or 50%, they're still going to demand the things that, that they want. Fast service, callbacks, communication, quality, speed. You know, I think that home delivery or e-commerce, those things where I can place an order and then somebody, I pull up and somebody comes to my car and puts it in. When the pandemic goes away, I think people like that. How much more convenient can it be to order something online? I pull up, I, I text the number and someone comes and drops it off in my car. That's not going away. That is the new normal. You know, in that case, I think using, you know, the phrase new normal as it relates to consumer expectations is probably more appropriate because people like what they like and you're either on board with that or you're not as a dealer and as a factory. 
So uh, in conclusion, (laughs) I guess we could go on forever. I know, right? Well, no, but I, you know, in conclusion, I think we've decided that the industry needs to keep advertising and marketing and branding their businesses. They need to get better at communicating with their customers, whether that be dealers or end users and just be on their toes for whatever, whatever comes next. Yeah. And from the dealer perspective, Please don't stop marketing your business, not necessarily selling, but marketing your business, your brand, you know, automate, systemize, make your life easier. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I think if nothing else, this showed some some uh, smaller dealers that they're not able to do everything like they were able to do everything before. So, you know, s- staff properly, if, if you can afford it and automate, systemize, listen to your customers, communicate, be honest, and life will be good. Well, thanks for doing a joint podcast with me. This was fun. It was fun. Thank you very much. So if my listeners want to reach out to uh, your spa retailer, how do they do that? So they can email us at podcast at spa retailer.com. And how about your listeners, Dave? Well, they can go to my website, spa pool marketing success dot com. Everything that they need to learn about not only just the podcast or the book I wrote on the book on internet marketing for pool and spot dealers, which happens to be on Amazon. <laughs> um, but going to the website, uh, there's a lot of free information and strategies that we provide there. So Megan, I thank you very much for uh, doing this joint podcast with me. And um you know, maybe in a couple of months, we'll come back and see if any of the predictions that were right or we were way off base. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the future holds for our industry. It's bright. The Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at sparetailer.com. Thanks for listening.